live from Cumbria, this is The Twilight Show with Kayleigh Clark. Good evening, welcome to The Twilight Show on Sunday evening. We have got an incredible show lined up tonight. I'm so excited. We have got four of the leaders of the uh, debate and the movement on introducing more diversity in the, cl in the classroom. And um, we're really excited about this tonight. And hopefully we're gonna have a fantastic discussion about how we can make this happen. So tune in, talk it out, let us know what you think. Live from Cumbria, this is The Twilight Show with Kayleigh Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Right, so I'm just in the process. I have four guests for you tonight, so we are absolutely spoiled this evening. Um, I'm just in the process of getting everyone logged in now. So as soon as I've done that, um, yeah, the tech. hopefully the technology will be kind to us and everyone will be logged in shortly. Right, okay, there we go. That's three out of four. Here we go, last one, hopefully. Everyone's on mute at the moment, so you can't hear them. Just wait till uh, <laughs> I'll just wait till I've got everybody. Okay. Just waiting on one. Okay. Right. We've just got one who is uh, waiting to connect. So I will open up. What I'm going to do is, uh, like we say, the the show this evening is all about diversity in the classroom. There is a, going to be a bit of a, a specific discussion about the English classroom, because it's my understanding that all of my guests, that's, that's their specialist subject. However, um, I've, I've had a discussion with, um, with the guests beforehand, and obviously we've prepared in, in great detail for the show this evening. So um, what we're going to be talking about is certainly relevant across the curriculum and not only to English. So um, it's going to be a very, very exciting discussion. Uh, right, so I'm going to head over straight away to the guests. So I'm going to um, hopefully everyone's listening and everyone's logged in. Okay, you, I've got, I've got your names on my screen there. So I'm going to unmute you one by one, if that's okay, and then um, you can tell um, the listeners this evening a little bit about yourself straight away, and then we'll get into the conversation. So Jess, if I can come to you first. Hi, evening everyone. Um, I'm Jess Takeon and I am a Deputy Head of English at a school in North London um, and I created the Writing Campaign which asks for AQA, the most popular GCSE um, English exam board, to add more writers of colour to their English literature specification. Fantastic, thanks very much. Right, great to have you on, Jess. Thank you very much for that. Um, next, we have got um, Aisha. Yes, your name has come up in random letters. So, Aisha, hello. Nice to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for having me and um, and all of us. I'm um, Aisha Ralph, um, secondary English teacher um, at a school in, in Dudley at Windsor High School. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's 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 me. <laughs> Okay, short and sweet. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Aisha. So we'll um, thank you for introducing yourself there. Um, and then we have Fazine. 
Hi, um, good evening, good evening Hi. everyone. My name is Tversi Ahmed. Um, I'm an associate lecturer in English language and um, I was also a former secondary English teacher and uh, completed my uh, doctorate um, exploring how students constructed cultural identities in the secondary English classroom. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Um, and then finally, we should have Thishani, um, who I can see is connected but i can't see her as a speaker are you there Thishani? could you could you pop a, a message in the um chat if you are hello yes hi i can see you are you able to call in right what i'll do seeing as we've got obviously we've got lots of guests this evening so um, uh, yeah, Tashani, I can hear, uh, great that you can hear me, but I cannot see you. Um, so I'll send you another invite and we'll see if we can get you on. Right. In the meantime, what I'm going to do is, um, we've got some, uh, adverts and some news to play. And then, um, once we come back, we'll dive straight into the discussion. So we're just going to get that going now. Ladies, if you can just bear with me and then I will speak to you very shortly. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Evening Standard reports on comments made by the Duke of Westminster in an article featured on the paper's website. The article focuses on the government's pledge to provide £79 million to help improve mental health support for children and young people in England. The pledge, made 12 months ago, would help grow the number of mental health support teams in schools from 59 to 400 by April 2023. In the article, the Duke highlights data provided by Children's Mental Health Charity Place to Be and the National Association of Head Teachers, which shows that between April and October of last year, over 400,000 under-18s were referred for specialist mental health care in England, a 70% increase in the same period in the pre-pandemic 2019. Isolation, the breakdown of formal and informal support, periods of lost education and the social and academic pressures of returning to school have all taken their toll. The Duke focuses on the importance of early intervention and argues the case for funding to be developed here to prevent a further increase in young people requiring crisis-based specialist treatment. The article is featured as part of coverage of Children's Mental Health Week and includes references to research by Oxford University's Department of Psychology, which suggests that children from low-income families or those with special educational needs may have experienced greater mental health problems than others and are likely to recover at a slower rate than other groups. The article concludes by reiterating the need for early intervention and a call to ensure that young people have their voices heard. With Valentine's Day approaching, pupils in Jersey have been visiting elderly members of the community to spread some joy. Operation Valentine is an annual event run by students from one of the island schools. The event, which includes a Valentine's meal, has been held for more than 30 years. This year, due to the COVID restrictions, the meal cannot be hosted, but instead they're delivering Valentine's afternoon tea hampers to local care homes. 160 hampers were delivered on Friday, and the day is regarded as very special, as this small gift has a huge impact. In Northern Ireland, rugby legend Rory Best has launched a sports project aimed at making sport more accessible for young people with disabilities. Best is an ambassador for Sported, a UK-wide charity that supports grassroots sports groups. The charity will support four groups in Northern Ireland in becoming more accessible for disabled young people. Sported's aim for its Include project is to see more young people with disabilities participate in sports and, as a result, have increased self-confidence and improved physical and mental health. Best said he was honoured to support the launch of this wonderful project. A press release on the European Union's official website outlines the EU-Africa Global Gateway Investment Package, which will focus on education, skills and technical vocational training. The release focuses on how EU funding will support joint action on improving the quality of teaching in participating countries, empowering girls and vulnerable groups through education, developing skills and vocational education, and improving youth exchanges in Africa and between Africa and Europe. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. 
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safer Internet Week with the official day being on Tuesday the 8th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre is questioning whether gaming online is all fun and games. They ask young people to explore respect and relationships in online gaming. A lot of schools may be having drop-down days and you may be expected to deliver an online safety lesson. This is great, but are you confident in your knowledge? There's nothing worse than having to teach a lesson out of your comfort zone, especially when you're discussing a topic where the learners may know more than the teacher. Saferinternet.org.uk, the brains behind Safer Internet Day, have come to the rescue with a series of films under the heading of virtual assemblies on their website. Starting with a story about in-app purchases getting out of hand for three to seven-year-olds, and then for seven to 11 and 11 to 18s, having a discussion on online behavior and respect. This resource is informative and will allow those of us that are less confident to play the film and facilitate a discussion. As always, if you're going to use an online resource, make sure you've watched it first to make sure it's appropriate for your pupils. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Well, I'm delighted to say that we have got Thashani connected, so I'm going to go straight over to her and ask her to do a bit of an introduction. Hello. Hello there. Hi. I'm, oh. I'm Thashani rejacing her. I'm uh, head Fantastic. of English at a school in Surrey um, and very um, happy to be here today. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. I'm so glad we got you connected. We, we very nearly had a flawless uh, technical um, accomplishment there, but at least we got there in the end. So I think the old trick <laughs> on and off worked. So. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. When in doubt, turn it on and off. So um, I'll keep um, uh, Tashani. I'll come to you first, if I may. Um, but just to give the, the the listeners a bit of background as how how this came about. First of all, to to everyone who's involved in the show tonight, I just need to say thank you so much for being so incredibly organised. You can tell you guys are a well-oiled team who often work together, and it's fantastic. It's made my my job very, very easy getting this show together. Um, so how this came about is I was actually recommended by um, a, a colleague from Teachers Talk Radio to watch um, a webinar which was about diversity in the English classroom. And all of the guests this evening have been um, involved in various aspects of the of campaigns that are going on to achieve more diversity, yes, specifically in English, but generally across the curriculum. Um, so like I say, Thashani, I'll come to you first. I'll just unmute you. So um, you, you mentioned when we were uh, getting ready for the show that you're doing work, it, it, your, your focus is on diversity and inclusion across the curriculum. So please tell us more about that. Just just give us the background info on, on, on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, yeah, so I'm, um, I've been head of English for four years, but first, this is my um, a new post that I just started in September here in the UK. I was actually head of English um, abroad uh, prior to this. Um, and yeah, in my last school, we taught the IB, um, and there, you know, the, the, that program has certain criteria. You know, you have to teach a text by, um, oh, well, text from three different continents. You have to teach um, male and female. You have to teach text by non-white writers and across um, three, what they call, time periods or centuries. 
So I came to the UK and I thought, well, you know, that's a great, I mean, that's kind of part of the IB programme. You can't move away from those um, criteria. Uh, but actually, in here in the UK, a student can go from year seven to year 13 and never have read a book by a woman or never have read a book by mm, a non-white yeah. writer. That's actually quite easy to, to happen because our examples, our curriculum don't doesn't really specify that, um, the need for diversity in that way. So it really falls down on us as heads of department, I'm a head of department, to make those decisions. So I thought, you know what, in my department, I'm going to say every year, every key stage, we've got to teach at least one text by a woman and at least one text by a non-white writer. Now, this actually proved to be a lot harder than I thought it would be, particularly at GCSE, and I think an A-level, actually. And I think that's because of the restrictions that are in place there. You have a list of five books to choose from, for example, at GCSE. It's really, and, and and lots of other things come up, kind of the knowledge of your department, whether they've read the text or not, whether they're comfortable with the themes, the context. Uh, and then I just thought, you know what, let me talk to other heads of department. Is there something that happens in, Is are these questions that a head of geography might ask or a head of history might ask? And and actually, yeah, lots of heads of department across the school are, are trying really hard to, to bring in, they, they're aware that we need to have a more diverse curriculum. Um, and the conversations have been really interesting because if you're teaching a text that's say set in in Nigeria or set in India and your your students are unfamiliar with that context wouldn't it be great to line that with a similar unit in history or geography Um, and that's kind of where I'm going with that so very early stages of discussing with other people in my school but again that background I've had from the IB has shown me that it is doable like it's totally possible to have an integrated cross-curricular diverse um, curriculum um, within a school. So that's kind of where I am at the moment. Sorry, that was a bit long-winded. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's it's really fascinating to hear you to say that because I think um, there's obviously going to be some some crossover with with other guests doing similar work. Because I'm I'm aware from doing you know research in the show that um, I think. Uh, Jess particularly has has recently um, written articles about the lack of diversity in the in the GCSE curriculum. Um, so I'm going to come to, to Jess next if that's okay. But um, you, you're absolutely quite right because although there there is a female, I, I believe there. If if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we can study Jane Austen at GCSE, um, or there are two writers, um, non-white writers on the GCSE curriculum, but. The problem is, is that the schools choose which book they study. Yeah. So obviously, unless they actively, you know, proactively make the choice for diversity, as you quite rightly say, students can go their entire school career and, and only ever read literature by a white male author. So, yeah, it, it's that it, it's interesting to see how, how we said about the um, other the other the, the, the previous uh, school that you worked in. There was an there was a um, you know a direction that you had to include diversity and that definitely doesn't exist within the English system as as we know it in the UK at the moment does it? No, and I think oh sorry just before you pass on to Jess, I think it's because I've had a look at every exam board. And I mean I'm some you know some schools in the UK can do IGCSEs. IGCSEs are a little bit more diverse, not massively, but there is that. Um, there are a few more texts to choose from, but I think it's I don't think these these book lists have been looked at for years I mean it's not just whether you choose the female text or the non-white text as a head of department I know you're going to choose the shortest text because you've got to get through it and not and the shortest text on those lists are 
invariably the, the male white writer. So I think that's another thing that exam boards need to look at. You know, why have they chosen? Why is it so prescriptive? Why are there only five books? Why can't we have an infinite? Again, in the IB, there's no book list. They kind of trust teachers to to choose books that they want to teach because it's an international um, qualification. So they have to be flexible. So I, I think there are a lot of questions for exam boards here, and, and it really is a, a a time for them to to reflect on on how they make their their curriculum and their book list. Definitely, right. Thank you very much. So I am going to um, head up, pass over to Jess now. Hi, Jess. Um, hopefully, you Hi. can hear me loud and clear. Hello. So yeah, just just um, leading on from what um, Thashani was saying there. Can you just um, elaborate a bit on on the work you've been doing into the GCSE curriculum? Yeah, of course. So I. Um... As I said earlier, I mainly targeted my work towards AQA because they do tend to be the most popular. Um, and they, yeah. so on the whole AQA, English Literature GCSE, there's 54 texts. So that's including both poetry clusters. Um, and 49 of those texts are by a white writer. Um, mm. So that, that it's really not diverse at all. And I mean, there's... Yeah. Um, it, as part of that English GCSE specification, there's the modern text section. Um, so it's either modern drama or modern prose. Um, and out of all of the modern drama texts, um, all of them are by white writers. Modern prose, there's six in total. Um, yeah. And four of them are by white writers. You know, if we're saying modern text, there's, there's no reason why they should not be more diverse. And yeah. um, as Tashani just said as well, why under modern prose are there only six texts? Surely there could be, you know, a bigger, a bigger um, sort of list than that because there's so yeah. many amazing different, you know, different modern texts out there. Yeah, and just on that note as well, it, it occurred to me when I was looking because because I'm actually a, an ECT at the moment, so I'm still getting yeah. to grips with with the, um, uh, you know, the the, the actual GCSE syllabus um and it struck me when i was looking at it the other day that you know like an inspector calls is nearly 80 years old yeah. and there is there is an element of how should we actually be still be considering some of these texts as modern you know do we yeah. do we not need to just bring them bang up to the 21st century anyway and would do you think if we if we did that if we took the approach of look let's let's go down the route of just looking at authors who are much more modern than the ones we're currently using. Do you think it would automatically improve the diversity or do you still think that it would need to be more of a focus? Um, I think in some ways it would automatically, but I think there definitely need to be some very conscious choices made. Mm. Um, it's a, to be honest, it's a really complicated topic because um, we as a group recently actually delivered um, a training on um diversifying in the realms of the canon of canonical texts because there is an argument that these texts in the traditional canon are amazing we're not saying to get rid of them but it's what can be done alongside those texts um but you are absolutely right that an inspector calls is not modern um, <laughs> and that there's so many more texts that could be added um that they, they just haven't been and um the reason one of the reasons that i've target is AQA but as I said they're the most popular but also um, Edexcel have already done quite a lot of work in terms of diversity so they I know that Pearson yeah. have partnered with um, Penguin on their Lit in Colour campaign which yeah. aims to improve particularly racial diversity in literature um, 
but AQA they have they have made some changes and they've made some promises, but they're yet to we're yet to see big changes in their English um, specification. So that's why I'm still sort of in contact with them and trying to work with them on improving the diversity in their lists. Yeah, um, because yeah, as it currently stands. Particularly, you know, I'm just speaking about the English literature specification without even going into the, the sort of language one. Um, it's it's just not it's not representative. It's not giving students um, a sort of a window into into different experiences. Um, yeah, and it's 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 letting students down essentially. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying there about representation is is a key aspect isn't it because one, one of the things we're going to um, I'd, I'd like to talk about a li- little bit later once we've we've got you know a little bit further on is um i teach in a school in the, the very far north of england um and in terms of diversity i think it would be fair to say it's it's almost non-existent you know we i still live in a in a part of the country where there is very little in terms of different cultures and, and different backgrounds um so that there is a, a um, sort of a, a pitfall maybe that schools like mine and and there must be a, a still a reasonable amount of them in the country um, mm. probably don't see this as being a particular issue because from their point of view the GCSE and A level syllabus does represent the students they're teaching but obviously mm. um, teachers like yourself who are in the southeast London and and much more multicultural parts of the country what are the what are the problems that that you're you know that you personally see as a teacher um what makes it it difficult to tackle the gcse curriculum with the lack of representation for your students um i'd say in terms of um first of all thinking about um how this serves students who perhaps are in predominantly white um white schools there's a quote that I always come back to, which is by Rudine Sims Bishop. And she says that, um, I'm gonna paraphrase it because I can't remember it exactly. Yeah. She says that books should be mirrors, windows and sliding doors. So yeah. a lot of it is about representation, but not always, not everything we read has to be exactly about what we've experienced. Um, it can be a window or a sliding door into something else. And there's that argument that you know, if, if I'm reading, if I'm in a predominantly white school and I happen to be reading A Christmas Carol, how is that representative of the children in that classroom? They, yeah. you know, they, they don't live in, in Victorian London. It's probably not relatable for them at all. Yeah. So there's sort of lots of, lots of arguments around that. I think um, this is something that Tashani has already mentioned, but there's so many pressures on teachers, so many pressures on teachers, one of which being time. Um, so as Tashani said before, often teachers are gonna pick the shortest text or you know, if I've not got a lot of time to plan and I can go on TES and find thousands of resources for an inspector course, I'm, I'm probably gonna end up doing that if I'm feeling time pressures rather than sort of got finding the time to go out of my way to pick different texts to have to convince the rest of my department um that that this is a valuable text to teach um so i think time is is a big is a big struggle um in that way i mean i'm really lucky in my school i've got a really supportive department really supportive slt and they are very on board with diversity 
but from as a group we've spoken to lots of different teachers in lots of different schools where um unfortunately that that isn't the case um yeah. so i think more needs to be done on a systemic level to support schools to support departments because at the moment unfortunately a lot of diversity work in english in other subjects as well it's just down to individual teachers going out of their way to try and make things better and that's not really how it should be which is why part of the reason i've targeted an, an exam board and why you know tashani has done the same as well yeah it, it's yeah and and that's the thing is is it um uh it, it it's that lack of support isn't it and where to start and how and how to go about it um and it's not sustainable to expect individual teachers to try and be the driving force behind this in their school or just in their classroom. Mm. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. So thank you so much for that. So um, I'm going to head over to Aisha now. Um, hopefully everything's good. Aisha, can you hear me? Hi, yeah. Hi there, great, thank you. So far so good with the technology. Yeah, so um, this this is a, um, a theme that actually ran, that runs throughout um, all of the work that, that uh, get my, you know, you you guys as a team are doing this uh, sort of in a day-to-day -day basis, doesn't it? This idea of the um, how we can change the the actual syllabus so that we can look at including more diversity. But what I'd like to ask you is is um, I, I found your um, feedback on how we can actually incorporate until the syllabus changes. You know, can't do very much about it. Um, so, what would be your advice on incorporating? more diversity into the syllabus as it currently exists? Um, it's a brilliant question. And that, that was, as Jess mentioned, that was something that we covered in the um, the webinar we did recently when we were looking at the canon, the diversifying the canon specifically, looking at canonical texts and, um, and how we can diversify alongside um, those rather than obviously it's in, taking texts off the curriculum or, or adding new ones in. And again, that has lots of implications for departments. Um, in terms, particularly like in English, with, with buying like sets of texts, and again the, the the time then planning the resources and the lessons for those new texts. So so changing all your set texts in, uh, just in one year and having a massive overhaul probably isn't the most practical decision because that that's so difficult for the de for departments in terms of again the staff confidence in teaching them as well. Um, so in terms of like I guess uh, the advice back that uh, you you um you asked what we, how we kind of do that. I mean, I've really said um, that it's about, um, I mean, we've said as a group, we're kind of reluctant to suggest specific texts that we would say to put on curriculums. But I do think it's on, you know, teachers to and departments to sort of read really widely and um, and kind of, I guess, educate themselves a bit more about the texts that are on their curriculum and, and kind of expose the links that are there because that, that they are. And I do think the more that you read, um, the particularly with English, the more it lends itself to to this, um, you know, to sort of diversifying, and not just in terms of race, but in other in other ways as well. I know gender's been mentioned, you know, in terms of you know getting more women writers on the curriculum as well. Yeah. So I think it's actually about about reading, and, and that's and that's when it also becomes like diversifying, also becomes a job of subjects other than English. Yeah, and and that is a, a must be a key aspect of it as well, like actually getting other departments across the school. To incorporate these as well, it, it can't just be one de one department against the whole school. It needs to be a whole school approach. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, moving on from, from what I, I saw, 
what I saw of your uh, delivery in the Nate, the recent, well, it was, it wasn't recent, sorry, it was last year now, but the, the, uh, the Nate sponsored conference that took place, which was talking about diversity in the English classroom, your um, approach to the, the topics of empire and imperialism and colonialism really struck a chord with me because I suppose when you first scratch the surface, a lot of what is said is about decolonializing sorry, the curriculum. And you, you held up a, a fantastic quote from um, Sathnam Sanghera, who wrote Empire Land. And he advocates for widening the curriculum rather than decolonializing it. And I thought that was a fantastic approach that was all about adding value rather than taking away and you know diminishing the existing canon in, in favor of a new one. It, it's about actually saying, well, let's you know, we're all in this together. Let's teach the let's teach all texts alongside one another. And I thought that was a really helpful way of looking at it. So, why do you think taking that approach is is so important for students? Um, I think, I mean, in terms of the t- teaching teaching empire and and why that's important. I mean, there's two reasons really. First of all, and I, I did um, I mentioned it again at this at the um, the webinar when I uh, held up that that Satnam Sangira quote, and he says you know, quite simply for him, um, empire is the reason that he's here as a brown person in the UK. And I kind of, that when I read that, that struck a chord with me. And actually, when I think back to my own education, um, you know, the, the re- one of the reasons I'm really passionate about this is that it is very personal. So, I, you know, it wasn't until I was at university doing my degree in literature that I actually was introduced to post-colonialism and actually read text through the lens of empire and actually and actually learned about what empire was if i'm honest like the fact that i went through my entire education i did a history a level and a literature a level and we never the, the word empire was never mentioned so how did i go through my entire education up to 18 and not even learn about the british empire once um so and, and that is something that when i think back now is quite upsetting and, and, and it is frustrating actually um, and you know, I thought again. I, I had a, you know a great education and, and a very, I guess uh, you would say, maybe quote marks modern one. But actually, it wasn't very up to date. And a lot of the texts, again, as I'm teaching now, I was also learning back then. And so it, when I kind of went through university, then I went back into secondary teaching straight after I did my degree. I went back in and did my teach training. I've kind of come full circle. Was going back into that the education system at secondary level and. Um, and kind of I had that renewed sense of how important this was because I was I was going back into secondary teaching there and I was really then struck by even more the, the, the sort of whiteness and the narrowness of the curriculum because and then I, I kind of looked back on my own education and sort of thought and it was just so stark it was just so stark to me that um, you know there, there's, there's massive gaps and we just so we saw that you know not not so even gaps there's sort of bits that aren't I guess, um, properly covered or, or properly sort of exposed, but you know, when, when it's there, we teach so many texts from the age of empire um, and that there's so many ways of, of kind of bringing out those connections that, that we've just never done really. So I think it's, it's a real, it's been a big part of my teaching since I was a trainee that to actually do that. Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing is, is you know, what, so why is teaching empire important for students and why is it important for them to see that? Well, it's, it's a historical fact, so first of all. So I think kind of not ever mentioning it or teaching about it, um, you know, that can't, can't be right either. So, um, so those are the sort of two reasons, um, you know, why I think it's so important. And it just, it just really helps them to, again, as, been, as has been mentioned already today, like, you know, see themselves reflected and it, and it also I think you mentioned you teach in a school that was it was very far north and for, you know for schools who maybe aren't as diverse it is just as important for them as well because it's not just about 
the fact that you know it's seeing themselves they probably see themselves represented text a lot but it's also about getting them to understand um you know understand diversity and, and what what it is that kind of made britain so that and, and then therefore makes the canon and, and all of those things so there's there's a lot to unpack there really but an empire is a massive thing but um yeah hopefully that answers your question <laughs> yeah oh, absolutely but um it's it's a really interesting point that you make about the the importance of empire to black and ethnic minority groups because as as you say um a, a lot of people from um you know from other countries particularly like i suppose the windrush generation just to give an example the first example that popped into my head you know a lot of those people would have been were, were actually seeing that that move as a very positive thing yeah. um and so they they see you know they see the british empire as something that helped them accomplish that yeah. so why do you think that there might be a reluctance to teach them because it seems like a strange yeah. it seems like a strange thing for british schools to shy away from teaching about the empire um do you think there's maybe an element of embarrassment now looking back or or what what, what do you think is the reason why we don't we don't really talk about it yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a whole uh, there's a whole probably a whole range of, of, of issues and, and um, I guess reasons there as well. And I, again, I'll, I'll probably refer back to Empire Land just because I, I read that really recently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, again, and, and Sangira in that he he also looks at he does actually you know he look, looks at the positives and negatives of of Empire in terms of Britain's history. Obviously, Britain had a big role in the abolitionist movement, but there was also you know people who were against that. So there's there's a Britain has a really complex history with it. Um, and I think, I guess, the, in terms of, I, I don't know whether it is a reluctance to teach it, whether it's just that it's, um, you know, the way that it, I guess it's always been is that maybe it hasn't maybe been explicitly taught. It, it isn't obviously with, with the changes that with uh, to the national curriculum in 2015, that the Gove's changes that sort of slimmed down and, and, and made the, the curriculum in history was you know, one of those areas that subjects that are much more sort of British focused um, in terms of the history. Um, it kind of it, that that also kind of cut out a lot of looking at, at empire and looking a bit more outward. Um, so I think our curriculums, unfortunately, tend to be constrained a lot by again by exam boards, by the GCSE. So a lot of what what we teach lower down, key stage three, can be kind of funneled towards that. Um, so I think that the narrowness of the of the GCSEs of, of our qualifications kind of has some I think you know in, in terms of play, plays a role in that. Um, and again, I think it is, it's a really big, um, it's a really big topic to teach empire and it can be really, again, overwhelming or, um, I guess, um, scary. I mean, I think if you don't know a lot about it and if you're not very confident in teaching it, mm -hmm. then that, that is, that is really hard to, to kind of teach about because it's such a massive thing. And, and in terms of English, um, from, not just thinking from a history perspective, but in, in terms of being an English teacher, like, I don't know how many staff in my department understand post-colonialism and again that comes back to you know when they where they did their degrees and and when where they did their their degree level qualifications in English you know how many of them actually looked at um post-colonialism post-colonial writers and an and empire and, and all of those threads because actually there are many many people who would have done an English degree and a history one and, and probably never looked at that and I think that's something else that's come out. I know the Lit and Colour Report mentioned this. Actually, it's, it's teachers' subject knowledge and they're confident in that subject knowledge. And that, that drip feeds back then. When we go then on to be teachers, we teach what we feel confident and what we know about. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's As you say, it's it's a huge topic to unpick, isn't it? But it's just so fascinating to hear all, of, you know, to think about all of the different threads that, that link into it and how that has ultimately, 
you know um, branched out into the curriculum that we that we have today yeah so yeah thank you very much for those insights okay so um Fazeen, um we'll come over to you thank you so much for, for waiting patiently in the wings um so if, if i might start off with if this is not too big of a question to start with why is the choice of literature in school classrooms so important to forming ideas about cultural identity so thank you very much. I mean, it's, uh, I think that the group have already done a brilliant job covering most of the important very important points and um, essentially it just comes down um, to the representation of um, and recognition of student voices, experiences and uh, the communities that they are part of um, through the text and teaching of text. I think one point is that um, we tend to put more focus on the selection of literature but also what's equally as important is how these t- uh, how this literature is um, is, is introduced to or, or approached within the English classroom um, and uh, one of the the lit in color report um, I mean reflected very much a, a positive and welcoming um, uh, I mean, change, a uh, requirement of a change by um, students um, where seven, I think it was 77% of students said that they wanted to read um, texts from other cultures, from other communities and experiences so that they can be, ex- be exposed to a broader, broader of understanding of what it means to be diverse in the present day society. And um, already we are seeing uh, changes, as I just mentioned, uh, through exam boards. Uh, Tashani mentioned the IGCSE and um, uh, Edexcel. Um, but, uh, and, and one thing is, it's not necessarily um, looking at a different, exp- uh, sorry, different communities, but also appreciating the complexity surrounding the um, representation of ethnic minorities and experiences through narrations. So it's not necessarily about um, narrowly or negatively defining these experiences as being about struggles or victimization or turmoil, inner turmoil, um, in terms of finding the, the protagonist, finding a sense of um, a sense of identity or, or, or the idea of home. But it should be about um, balancing those narratives in terms of recognising the experiences, but celebrating the hopes and the resilience. And uh, one particular text that um, I uh, looked at uh, for the recent webinar we did um, just mentioned about um, teaching within the canon was um, Kate Milner's My Name is Not Refugee, which is um, a picture book. And I think it was really it was truly um, amazing how um, it picked on that 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 positive notion on resilience rather than um, focusing um very much on the negativity or the struggles, the inner everyday struggles of um, finding one's identity. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's more about um, trying to encourage students to talk more about um, the how they have um, overcome challenges rather than hone or problematize those particular challenges through the teaching of texts, if that makes sense. <laughs>
Hello? Apologies, I had my microphone muted. I do apologize for that. So, <laughs> no, no, that was my mistake. I'd, I'd muted my microphone so that I didn't, um, you know, tippy tap on the computer, on the, the keyboard and disturb what you were saying. I do apologize about that. Sorry, guys. And, and sorry if I went quiet to the listeners as well. Yeah, what I was just saying, so, so just to summarize what you said. Um, so do, do you think, so So it was like the, the, the issue of, I think that's, you know, that, that is definitely, I've made a note of that book title because it's certainly something I'm going to, to look into finding um, after the show. But, you know, the, the point you're making is about the, the human condition and the struggles that we face as people. Um, so it, it's not necessarily about where you come from or your background or your culture or, your, or the colour of your skin. It's about recognising that everyone all over the world, these problems and these issues are relevant to everyone. Would you think that would be fair to say? Yeah. Or do do we need to make more of an emphasis on on the the cultural, um, you know, that these issues are are specific to certain cultures? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, to to some extent, of course, um, I I think that's quite problematic. You are right in that sense, but it's the idea that, of course, um, some experiences, of course, uh, will be more relevant to certain cultures, certain uh, communities, um, and um, it's it's this idea that we focus or problematize those those struggles um, far too much, where we find that oh no, it's a struggle for you to find identity. I mean, especially for someone for myself who's a Muslim female. Um, I mean, I I don't need to be always told about some of the um, uh, um, issues surrounding uh, our, our communities. It's, it's about celebrating also the resilience of, of, of women of, of that particular community too and, and how they've overcome, overcome those challenges. So um, as I mentioned, it's about how you teach those texts, which lens do you go through? Um, I think one example we had from the recent webinar we did with Tess was um, Queenie and um, uh, um, one particular speaker um, delegate was mentioning that um they, they were focusing more on the um that the negative uh, sorry that the racial slur that's used the the n-word yeah. and the, the white boyfriend is a bystander and um absolutely they, they mentioned this is a, a highlighted point for for me but leslie um i mean she who wasn't here at the moment but she she made a brilliant point that she said for me that wasn't the that wasn't the immediate um, uh, excerpt or part that came out from the text. For me, it was this notion of celebrating sisterhood, about self um, identity, and so forth, which which uh, should be more and um, which which should be more foregrounded to ensure that we are approaching these um, diverse texts through a positive lens. Yeah. That's a, it's a really interesting point. Now, I'm, I'm, I've got in my notes for, for this evening to talk about the point that Leslie made, um, specific, specific to one of the books that's on the GCSE curriculum, actually. So I'll just I'll just um, hold on that question for the moment. So I suppose something that I'm that is a particular interest to me, obviously, um, 
as a new teacher coming into a school that is quite traditional in its views, not in a not not in a negative way, simply, you know, that that's just the way a lot of schools are, especially when they're in um, non-diverse areas of the country, shall we say. So if I was to take this feedback and this information to my department and, and to my school, I would imagine that um, the, the main barrier is going to be, well, you're suggesting changing the curriculum in a way that is not as... Li oh, Leslie's just um, joined the show, actually. Hello, Leslie. We were just talking about you. Um, <laughs> we, we, um, we'll, come, we'll come to talk to you in a second. Maybe she'll ring in. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the, I suppose the, the immediate barrier that I would be anticipating is the suggestion is um, that we change the curriculum in a way that is not representative for our students. And we were talking about this earlier. So... What would be your suggestion for how to overcome that particular um, objection in, in a, a very white school or a predominantly white school if you're going to suggest adding more writers of colour and, and writers from, from multicultural backgrounds into the curriculum? How would you approach that? Um, sorry, is that the question for myself or? Yes. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Yes. Um, so actually, um, it's this idea of... Um, of pushing the boundaries too, um, and um, I, I think Jess, you, uh, you mentioned that um, as well. It's it's this idea that we um, tend to, which is absolutely correct. Yes, uh, reflect um, text from for uh, that. Sorry, select texts which reflect your school's communities, the the school's, the school's culture, absolutely. Um, but also we are not suggesting that um, the likes of, um, that the canon should also um, be sideswept because that, 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 that's an immediate assumption that takes place. Um, as I mentioned before, um, th this idea of changing the curriculum, it's not something that will, of course, uh, we all know will not be happening overnight it's about taking those small steps um mm. towards it and for me i would um and, and part of my research looked into it's this idea of um taking the steps within the classroom for instance through th through the change of talk the way we, we talk about these texts um now i don't think that in, in that sense we are um for students normalizing such discussions when it comes to looking at sensitive topics come, such as race, um, injustice, um, ethnicity, identity and so forth. Um, and, and in that process, you students um, and teachers can begin to question um, some of the um, the issues and, and, and be um, uh, almost signposted to the text available which explore these issues um yeah. and 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 i think so so my in as a group we are looking at how we can take these smaller steps before um in 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 as part of a process of changing that mindset before we can actually change the curriculum because we are still getting and i'm sure you know too we are getting that um that that form of resistance um, yeah. Not only from a micro level, from from departments, but also from but also from macro level in the in terms of exam boards. Um, so it's normalising those discussions, those topics within the classroom, um, and then using these texts as almost the way of navigating into those into exploring those experiences. Fantastic! Yeah, thank you very much. So, um, Jess, you've just popped a, a comment in the um, in the chat, so I'll unmute you, and you can just you know. Um, we bounce back that that 
earlier point we discussed you, you mentioned you said about um reluctant to recommend text because every school is different so individual schools need to identify texts that are going to best serve the needs of their students um and it it, it raises the the question in my mind that some of some of these students that their only access to diversity of of you know, in terms of the lives other people live and the places where other people come from, the only access they might have to learning about that is in the classroom at school because they're not being exposed to it at home or or in the community. So, um, is is there a? I suppose I'm not going to ask you to recommend anything, <laughs> but I suppose from the point of view of where would you start if you're starting completely from scratch? Where would you begin? I think, I mean, this is really not an easy answer. I think starting with making sure, and this might sound really stupid, but making sure that you understand what diversity means and what it looks like, um, because we've already mentioned this, it's diversity in terms of, you know, gender, in terms of time period. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, considering intersectionality, as I think it was either Aisha or Ferzine said, making sure that you are, reading widely um yeah. and sort of knowing what's out there as um Ferzine recounted as well about leslie's point not just um picking texts which represent certain communities in potentially um negative lights like victimized um lights as well being very um what's the word being very aware of how different experiences are being presented because mm. um misrepresentation can be just as harmful as underrepresentation. um and as again i can't remember who said it but someone made a point earlier about it was aisha about this isn't an overnight step to just quickly oh we're completely redesigning our curriculum it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly and should be um really considered and i mean one of the reasons we don't want to provide prescriptive sort of text recommendation list is because so many already exist out there yeah. which look at diversity through different lenses through different angles so um, teachers don't need to spend hours and hours reading lots of different texts because so many recommendations already exist out there yeah. and all, all it takes is just prioritising this and dedicating some time to researching and to um, you know, social media is amazing. Speaking to other teachers about what they're doing in their schools. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope that right. makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because as, as you say, it's, it's a complex issue, isn't it? And, and schools do have to approach it individually um, as to how it's going to best fit for them. Um, but you mentioned Leslie's point. Now, um, Leslie Nelson, Addy couldn't couldn't um, join us on the panel this evening. However, I know she's listening into the show. So um, when I was watching the... Um, the Nate webinar that um, you were all involved in, um, the the text of of mice and men was the one that was uh, discussed, and mm. there's quite a lot of there's a bit of controversy going on at the moment with this particular text, whether or not it should be left on the curriculum due to its use of the N word, and the, uh, Leslie's point was um, that in her experience she would avoid using the word because of the discomfort that it would cause to her students now obviously in leslie's scenario i, I imagine that is because she is 
teaching to a room that, that in which there is a, you know a significant proportion of um, you know black students who might have been on the receiving end of very negative uh, speech or behaviour based around that slur. Um, whereas my question, I suppose, is, is when you are not when you are in a predominantly white or even indeed an all white classroom, this might actually be studying a book like this might be the first opportunity that students have, have to understand the context of this language and why it's being used and indeed why it's not appropriate but this might actually be the first exposure to it in a, in a discussing it in a productive and, and in a productive way that teaches them rather than just is something that they've picked up from a friend or a, yeah. you know, a music video or something like that so what would how should teachers approach scenarios like this especially if they are dealing with a book like of mice and men yeah i think it's really key what you said about it being taught in a productive way because i think as aisha has already said in terms of teaching about empire um we should not shy away from speaking about difficult topics but we need to understand that um as you said as well kaylee that speaking about these topics could be incredibly incredibly triggering and upsetting for students so yeah. as long as it is done in a very very sensitive way and as long as um students are being taught the weight of the words and yeah. where it comes from why it is completely offensive and should not be used um and i think as long as that is done beforehand and that the first time it's being discussed is not when you know it's read out on a page or something like that it yeah. should be introduced beforehand in a very sensitive way students for example should be told um should be given opportunities if they feel upset to step outside or what you know setting up a class contract whatever it is that works in um individual settings um i spoke to um i'm sure lo lots of people listening have heard of the black curriculum um, yeah, and I spoke to them um, a while ago about just generally the English curriculum, and they all said how um, and they used the word triggering and traumatizing. How traumatizing they found learning of mice and men in school, um, not because of the book itself, but because the, the teacher, the lesson, the use of the N word, and the racism you know against crooks, it was not acknowledged properly and it was not discussed. Um, yeah. For what reason, I don't know. Often it is, um, and this is something I spoke about in the TES webinar, often it is unfortunately because of the discomfort of the teacher, which sometimes is put at a higher premium than the discomfort of um, students of colour often. So do you mean perhaps the, the teacher's um, reluctance or discomfort in how best to approach it? Yeah. Yeah, you know this fear of saying the wrong thing mm. um, or not having all the facts but I think just say, acknowledging that it is a very offensive word and why it was used in the past and why now um, it is not used obviously and we don't use it um, mm. even if maybe there's it, it's not done in the most I don't know what the word is streamlined way that is still going to be a lot more valuable and is going to make students feel a lot more safe than just pure silence on it and just yeah, reading just it ignoring it, skimming, yeah. skimming past it. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Um, oh, Leslie's just texting actually, so I'll I'll read out what she's written. Um, so 
uh, Leslie says she taught in a school that had a predominantly white cohort and you, she used the word. And following the findings from her PhD study, she would advise that the N word is not used by teachers under any circumstances ever um, because of how it makes black students feel. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, is I suppose that the, the question, my question still is, might still remain though, and I'm sorry if I'm not picking this up correctly. Um, I get le what Leslie's saying is we should not say that word under any circumstances. That would be um, her recommendation. Um, but that the history of the word should be taught. And I suppose the, the, the question I suppose still remains that do, do we... Um, if, if we're dealing with predominantly white students or, or indeed all white students, um, it, it's just about making sure that they fully understand why this word is completely inappropriate. And that even if they read it in a book, that doesn't make it okay to use. Um, but going back to Jess's point, that does come down to the teacher not being afraid to address it and to, to talk about, at least talk around it um, so that the students fully understand and and it's not just glossed over and ignored out of um you know embarrassment or discomfort um so tishani um i'll come back to you now <laughs> because you've been posting some really interesting comments in the chat in response to the other guests um uh, comments so sorry to get you to repeat yourself but would you mind for the for the benefit of the listeners just <laughs> responding um and and just telling us what you've been writing yeah sorry lots i just couldn't i'm so in involved in this i know, I know, no, it's, you know it's we've actually um <laughs> we've actually never met each other as a group oh wow. <laughs> so, um, wow but it's always so great to listen to each other in these um these talks so yeah it just got me thinking yeah. um so okay i'm going to jump back to empire because i was really touched by um what aisha said about empire i feel very similar i'm um, my background is my parents are from sri lanka uh, which was a former british colony very similar never never heard about it in school um only you know kind of what what i heard at home um but i think that i think that there's a, a truth there that there is a, an embarrassment or a shame or a worry about teaching empire because um lots you know are several modern wars and ongoing conflicts around the world can can draw it their roots to to the british um kind of interference in in countries like sri lanka where i'm from India, Pakistan, it's kind of, there's countless. And I think that shame on that kind of reluctance to admit that is part of it. But empire is not just about, um, again, you were saying about your school not being particularly diverse. I mean, empire affects Ireland. We don't teach Ireland in our in our British curriculum at all, whether it's history or, I mean, it's an optional uh, part that's of history. That's an excellent point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's... I had a I have a um, a teacher from Irish heritage in my department. She said she had to stop a class when they were making potato jokes, and she said, "Do you do you know where that comes from? Do you know about the the potato famine?" And she explained yeah. it, and they were shocked, and they had no idea. And yet, it's funny, isn't it, to to them to to make these jokes? So I think that kind of if we're looking at empire, I think it's it's a lot bigger than um, than we think, and and it is a, a shame that it's been ignored, not just in in English, but um, across the curriculum. Um, and I think another part that, that's missing, if we are going to teach of my cement, I personally don't uh, like to teach of my cement either. Um, but if we are going to teach that, students really need to know that context. And that's something else that we don't teach in, in the British curriculum. And that is 
segregation in the US and Jim Crow. And, and I think it's left off because we think that's not a British uh, problem, but it was. What happened in the US uh, with segregation and Jim Crow affected Europe. It's, it, Hitler was influenced by that, for example. Mm-hmm. It affected, yeah. um, you know, unspoken prejudice in, in the UK. It wasn't as black and white as Jim Crow, but pardon the, the language I used there, wasn't as clear-cut as, as Jim Crow. You know, we, I think the, 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 the UK got away with a lot of things because they were unwritten rules and, and, and Jim Crow was kind of this, mm-hmm. this charter that everyone had to stick to. So, that again, uh, what I was trying to say earlier about across curricular links, if you are a school that's choosing to teach of Mice and Men, can you reach out to your history department and say, look, at what point could you cover this? Because to understand the N-word, if that's kind of what you were saying, you want your, your, your students to understand where that's coming from, they, they really need to know that history. And, and that's that's too much for an English teacher to cover in, in a lesson, isn't it? That's It's quite detailed yeah. and, and, and quite um, nuanced. So, um, yeah. Well, so, we yeah, actually had... Think, sorry, the, sorry. Uh, sorry, the other, the last thing I was trying to say was your answer in overall, because I, I've, I've received... Uh, parental complaints recently about a book that that, uh, that I've put on our curriculum at Key Stage 3 and I said to that parent you know just what I've written here we we don't live in a bubble we're part of a community we're mm. a national and international and local community and it is really about empowering our pupils that they're going to go off into the big the wide world we're not going to be there to hold their hand what mm-hmm. are they going to do when they see something that is wrong are they going to be a bystander are they going to be a participant are they going to be a spectator and and that not that's just not race that's as Jess has said on so many levels and it's about empathy Mm. so what you if I were you I'd go back and say I'm trying to teach empathy it's the most important thing that we we should be teaching even above spelling and grammar (laughs) is can you empathize with other people because what's coming out with the text that we're teaching now more diverse text is discussion about homosexuality is discussion about um transgender and again these are topics that aren't on our curriculum either and i think to be able to empathize on on any level is always good and it it doesn't matter if your school is predominantly white or predominantly black or whatever it's about teaching empathy and i think that is kind of that would be my argument if and I've been in your shoes, so that's why I'm saying that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, no, no, dis- my school is sort of, um, I haven't actually approached them with this because I wanted to get, you know, you know, get um, all of my armory in place before I went, I went forward with this conversation with them. But the, the, the points you make about, um, you know, they, they live in the big bad world and they need to be aware of these things. What you were saying about the, um, the racial stereotyping against, the Irish um, mm. that you've you've experienced, it it really resonates because I'm I'm very aware of this in in my own experience, both personally and dealing with with students. Um, and I think a lot of it isn't it's not done in a um, shall we say it's not it's not meant to be cruel. It's not meant to be. Um, offensive it's coming from a point of view of in, of ignorance they they've heard it or they've they've heard it passed on from from um you know maybe parents or or friends you know older friends or something like that and they simply don't understand where it comes from and why we say it and and i'm i'm, I'm guilty of it myself um growing up and it's only when you really start to to think about it and think, well why do we have these so-called jokes or or why do we um think that way about certain you know people from certain countries and and you realize that a lot of it does stem from 
very negative history. And you think that we need to be teaching students about the context and the history um, of, of why these things came about in the first place and, and discouraging them from using them, but not shying away from discussing it in the classroom. And, and that seems to be the important thing to take away that we've already said. Um, but what you've just said about empathy is just fantastic, you know, and, and um, I've got Leslie, um, big thumbs up on the, on the chat saying absolutely agree. And Jess said the same thing is that whether or not you personally agree with what you're teaching, I suppose, or what your whatever your personal outlook might be, as a teacher, our, surely our fundamental responsibility should be teaching students to be open-minded and empathetic. What to whatever group of people, whatever individual person, whatever situation in life they might they might come across, and even then, even if they don't understand it, they can at least have that empathetic attitude of, well, why don't I find out more before I then make a judgment. Um, but as then I suppose, wouldn't the world be an amazing place if everybody took that approach from, yeah, from the get-go? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're teachers. We, we can do it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> right, okay, thank you, Tashani. So um, I'm going to come back now to... Um, oh, sorry. Mute seems to be flipping about all over the place. Um, okay, so... Uh, I had a question lined up next. So yeah, just um, Aisha, if I can come back to you, please. So we've, we've mentioned a bit, quite quite a lot about um, how we can actually start this conversation going on in our schools. And you, uh, I found out from your, um, when I was, you know, it sounds really odd to say when I was looking into you, <laughs> but when I was researching the work that you've been doing, um, you've, I believe you've set up a diversity working group in your school. Um, so can you please tell us about the group and, and what it does and, and what you're hoping to achieve. Yeah, um, I'm really glad as well. Thank, thank you for asking me about this because it, it is a um, a really new venture for me and for the school. Um, it was something I wanted to do last academic year, but obviously with, I mean, we were in we were in lockdown halfway through last year and um, with COVID and everything, it was just it, it just seemed like too much to put on staff. Um, you know, another thing because it, it's still very intense in schools at the moment as well. So I'm always yeah. really conscious of, of adding staff time, but um, so the, the working group is, it, it's open to all staff um, and it, I kind of advertise it at the start of the year in September and we um, we meet, um, I had to propose it to, to SLT and, and I ask for, for it to, to, to be allowed to hold a, a group like this um, and I kind of had a proposal of, of six meetings across the year so we meet once per half term um, which which I think is, again, it's that, you know, it manageable, I think, hopefully manageable for staff to, to like commit to that one meeting per half term. Um, and I kind of planned out the six sessions across the year. Um, and, you know, the, the great thing about the group is we have we have a fantastic range of, of subject representation at the moment. So I'm really pleased with what we've managed to achieve. Um, I've got obviously an English colleague who's Key Stage 3 lead. Um, we've got two uh, members of the maths department, which is fantastic. Because um, again, maths is one of those subjects, I think, where we think about all diversifying. How would you diversify maths? So, so they're fantastic advocates, but from the maths department, we've got mm -hmm. um, a, 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 a RE staff um, who's also she's also a head of house, so she's coming out from pastoral angle as well. We've got um, a member of the geography department, we've got humanities well represented there, a um, member of the PE department, uh, history. Um, so we, we've, we've got a really nice range um, uh, that have, um, have kind of shown an interest in, and have been um, so far um, in the work that that. I'm trying to do or we're trying to do um 
the the sessions are kind of are used um Benny Caras which I'm sure if you if you have been researching a lot into the work around diversity in schools you might have heard of Benny I have come across yes yeah yeah because she's again on Twitter she's great as well so um diverse ed is a great um and she's a great person to follow as well um so her it came out last year I think it was maybe the year before um her little guide for um her little guide for diversity in schools was is what I've built the sessions around so there's lots of practical activities in there um, for staff and for getting thinking and obviously that they, they can be done sort of on a personal level but I've kind of used them to scaffold the group a little bit um, and it's a brilliant little guide um, so I recommend just you know the book really if you if you're interested in, in doing this work in your own setting um, so there's there's nice activities in there like how to adapt a scheme of work um, teaching lesson on diverse topics definitions of different you know, the languages should be using there's actually specific ideas for math science geography art so there's specific curriculum ideas for subject areas and like little kind of activity pages for you to do your own reflection so reflecting on your own privileges and things which is something we did at the meeting this week so our third meeting um was was this week tuesday um and we're, we're kind of building towards or what i'm kind of building with the group towards uh, as we get to as we're at the halfway point now um is um getting the group to think about a lesson idea or a a project or um, that they could do with students or um, adapting a scheme of work ultimately that will be the end so hopefully by session six they'll have something that they can kind of um, do in their in their subject area so that's what we're building towards and every session I share some of the news updates research um, ideas links and, and things that I find um, so really it's, it's kind of it's a, it's a collaborative group it's really supportive we obviously we've talked a lot about our own experiences and, and what it is that's obviously um, you know, brought us, you know, it, together and wanting to do this work. Um, so, you know, it is it is a really brilliant supportive staff. Obviously, we are, I'm very aware that we, I am, or we are kind of preaching to the converted in a way, because obviously the staff who attend are the ones who are invested in doing this already. So obviously what, you know, the, the sort of the step beyond that is to kind of, is to widen it out. So obviously it's, you know, something to target all staff. So some sort of obviously inset training, something that can kind of capture um, everybody um, rather than obviously that this is something that teachers are doing in their own time this is an extra meeting after school that's that's not calendared that that I'm very aware of, you know I'm kind of asking for, for staff, more staff time so it's staff who are voluntarily giving up more time um, which is brilliant and, and again we've got um, staff who are invested in that but obviously we'd want it to be more again more widespread so it's, it's a brilliant starting point um, so yeah that's that's some of the, the work we've, we've currently been um, been doing we've got Again, we're looking at, uh, our, I think it was mentioned earlier, that, you know, how can you serve your school community better? So our community, the, the, our school, particularly in Dudley, the intake, we have a really large Yemeni, Yemeni Arabic community intake. Um, and that's particularly in the last few years has really grown in the local area. So one of our um, colleagues and members of the group who is um, a member of the maths department has done his, uh, his master's. Um, in education around um, the Yemeni students and the progress that they make. So he's going to present back at the next meeting. He's going to kind of do a little bit of a delivery for us on what he's kind of found and, and generally about understanding the Yemeni community because I'm not actually sure how many staff at my school actually understand the community that those students are from and they yeah. make up such a big part of our demographic. So we're looking at doing some some staff kind of, um, I guess, training, I guess you could say, on... on um, understanding the students from that community because again i think that's something really important and we, we don't we, we have we for some reason don't obviously focus on it so how can we better serve them um so yeah oh it sounds fantastic i mean immediately it, it strikes me that you're what you're endeavoring to do is not only make this cross cross curricular but also embed it in the culture of your school um 
which is which which yeah, that has to be fundamental i suppose doesn't it this yeah. can't just be a token gesture yeah in in one department or another yeah um you're obviously working to to establish that this is the way we do things in this school and and that must be the you know it's the only real way it's gonna it's gonna work isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and getting the um you know i think it's been mentioned already i know get, getting the support of srt and and it is it, it does have to come from the top i think that's with with, with the big change obviously we've been talking about i know fazine's obviously mentioned small change which is so important that's that's what we're doing in this group really it is it is small changes because we're only you know one or two members of, of staff from different departments um, and none of us actually have the the kind of I guess uh, power to change our curriculums really because we're, we're not you know we're, we're classroom teachers so um, most of the change what you know it needs to come from examples from government from governors for you know all of that so it, it's a lot yeah. of it is much more top down what's needed in terms of bigger change but again this is um, you know a brilliant starting point and again it's just a, a nice it is a really nice supportive environment so it, it does have to be cross-curricular so I think that was the kind of next step for me in the, in the past year doing all the work with, with this team who have been great um, with all the work that Nate we've done with Nate and, and Tess and everyone has been really supportive mm-hmm. but a lot of it focused on English so trying to kind of use what I've learned from that in terms of the English curriculum and trying to kind of um, offer that out a little bit more to, to other subject areas uh, and getting them thinking about it too. Oh, it sounds fantastic. It, it, yeah, I wish something like that existed at my school. That's all I can say right now. But, but yeah, fantastic. And it sounds like you're doing some absolutely amazing work. So um, definitely, you know, it could potentially be a model for other schools to use as well, couldn't it? So are, are you sort of, sorry, I keep peppering you with questions because I just want to know more. But um, okay. is this something you are actually documenting so that you can present it in that way, potentially? Um, well, I mean, I say when you're uh, documenting, I guess, um, it, yeah I am I mean I take minutes at the meetings if that's what so I am recording well, no, all that. So, yeah but, I suppose um, what I mean is is are you actually sort of um I suppose keeping in mind like how you've actually put this together and 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 how um how it's worked at your school so that if another school yeah. came along and said well we'd love to do something similar um you know could you then say well here's a model you know here's what yeah. we've done you yeah. know is, is that is that what you're aiming for or is it just kind of you know um trying trying your best to accomplish it at your school first you know first this school and then the world sort of thing well yeah definitely obviously trying to accomplish it at my school first and um and starting small and, and hope really what I'm looking for is at the end of this almost like I guess program if you like because I've planned out those six sessions when we get to the summer term um and usually then again we, you know we get a little bit of time back in the summer term don't we when we have a, um, a little bit um so and then we can start to look forward again so then um yeah. i'm looking ahead then to start, sort of think about going back to srt and and getting some feedback from the groups from the diversity working group from the members and, and thinking about what they've gained how has it been useful what the next steps could be so really going from off them and, and what they've kind of got from it so obviously i've done it and and, and that and that's been brilliant but again I, whether it's actually been useful or not and what they actually think about it so getting feedback from them it's almost some, some staff voice in a way and then yeah. going back to SRT and thinking about what the next step is and you know my school is we are part of a, a trust as I know probably a lot of schools are in as academies um so it would be then maybe thinking about something at trust level um and which I think would be the next step when as you said there other schools so how can we maybe involve the uh, the schools within our within our trust which would be yeah. um the next step and that that started in a in a small way in the English department when we're thinking about um, obviously our schemes of work and things that are um, sort of standardised and they're the same across across the trust schools at secondary level 
Mm. Um, and we've, we've started to get, um, or I, you know, I started to make some headway with that last last year. Um, and I know that obviously the the English team at, at Trust Level are um, you know supportive and and open to ideas, um, which is which is really helpful. So they they have approached me, and um, and that, so that's been you know another that'll be the next I guess uh, steps of thinking forward. So the the sort of the scope is definitely there. Um, yeah. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Well, I wish you all the very best because it sounds it sounds incredible what you're what you're working on. So you say it's quite small, but it's incredibly impressive <laughs> from from my point of view. So well, so really, so really, really well done. Thank you very Thank much you. for starting it out. Um, right, great. So I'm just going to mute everyone for a second. So um, we've we've talked non-stop for like an hour and 20 minutes nearly. So I, I need to just replay the adverts for this evening and then um, I'll come back and we'll carry on the discussion. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen great improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Welcome back. So we're back live again and carrying on the conversation because I'm aware of the time, but honestly, I could I could talk to everyone all night. It's a shame. An hour and a half was never going to be long enough. Um, so if I could come over to Fazine, um, you mentioned uh, earlier about um, the the 
the dialogue that we need to adopt in the classroom around diversity. And you mentioned to me when we were chatting before the show this evening that you've been doing some research into um, diversity in spoken discourse in English classrooms. So can you give us a bit more information about that and what you've been finding? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, my um, study was based in an um, ethnically diverse um, inner city school in the East Midlands region. So there was a rich array of ex- um, student experiences from different communities, religions and the, the language that they used. Um, and uh, my main focus was looking at how um, these students interacted with more canonical text as they study towards uh, the GCSE English Literature Paper 1. And yeah. um, uh, and in there, I felt that um, students actually took the initiative themselves to form their own interpretations um, on their own terms. So, for instance, um, a student who was looking at a Christmas carol um, where the ghosts are um, more at the beginning represented a more negative light something to be fearful of but she was talking about her own religious understanding of ghosts um which uh, the students were a little bit surprised about but when trialing her 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 idea they began to understand the perspective that she was coming from um and there was a nuanced understanding of the ghost role in relation to this religious um input um, uh, that came from, which was a British Pakistani Muslim. Um, But also um, where students were taking those initiatives, they were defining key terms in relation to their own understandings. For instance, in Romeo and Juliet, um, there was a student who, to some extent, took, um, not issue as such, but he he questioned the the teacher's um, understanding or definition of arranged marriage. Um, in relation to Juliet in Paris and the way that particular marriage was framed, arranged marriage was almost like a forced marriage and um, he he instantly questioned, but I thought we were talking about arranged marriage here, which he saw as um, both um, Paris and, sorry, as as consisting of consent, whereas the teacher thought it wasn't. Um, So in that sense, uh, they were Whereas students took the initiative, their responses were to some extent not um, acknowledged within the classroom. So we had teachers foregrounding more dominant or more widely accepted interpretations. Um, They uh, tried to uh, redirect the challenges um, uh, either by moving on to the next topic and so forth. Um, so it was this idea that um, it's it's almost trying to provide the students with the platform um, to explore their own interpretations in their own terms. And uh, some of the suggestions that I, I did share uh, during the webinar for, for tests was this idea of using the students' uh, responses as a point of inquiry. I think it's something that they do in history as well, where you use the, phrase, the questioning or, or the statements as inquiries to explore for for a single lesson um, and and use them to reflect on alternative perspectives. Um, But also another point is, is this idea of using dialogue to move away from the classroom space. So asking students how they are when they are not reading. So the gaps between readings are are, are as essential as the reading process itself. Um, Mm -hmm. And having, and continuing on this conversation even outside the English, the the classroom space. Um, For me, I I did group weekly group discussions uh, with voluntary students in the library and I felt they were more open, more 
um, yeah, more honest in in their um, in their responses in the critical engagement than they had the opportunity to do so in the classroom. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean that sounds really interesting. I suppose it it feeds back to what we said earlier. I can't remember who said it now, but the idea of time. You know, we we are all under a great pressure to cover the content when actually what we what might be just as valuable, if not more so, is when you get an opportunity like that to just stop and discuss mm. the context or, you know, actually delve into a particular question. Because until you, I, I remember you making that point in the webinar um, about the difference between forced marriage and arranged marriage. And that's the first time that I'll be honest, you know, my understanding of them was an arranged marriage doesn't necessarily have to be forced, but a forced marriage is an arranged marriage, if, if that makes sense. So the, the, um, the nuance of things like that and actually to get it from the student's own perspective it's an incredibly important conversation to have isn't it absolutely and uh, and i absolutely agree that as 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 someone who was a teacher that time is the essence um and i find that sometimes um we 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 do try and do two um it's, it's about giving that students that the opportunities to to um, lead their own learning as well so um, one uh, of course a particular teacher from the study used this idea of point of inquiry and another point is reflective journal so as the students and, and the class are reading a text it's it, it's it's it'll be amazing to to have students provide um be provided with a journal or, or, or any form of reflective journal to to ask questions to to make comments uh, mm-hmm. regarding their initial responses to the text um words that they've come across which they may not have um or or issues they're, they're thinking oh okay what what is this particular issue being discussed um and i i think reiterating some of the points that tishani and aisha were making and i think aisha has exemplified it really well in her working group is um having these conversations continue across disciplines as well Mm. so um we're the likes of citizenship studies history geography and art as well can come to the fore um which can uh, to some extent make these conversations more palpable and approachable in, yeah. in three different lenses and reiterating some of these issues to make students understand to, to to make students understand that this isn't a standalone literary topic that we're looking at it's something that echoes or resonates with what you are teaching, sorry, what you are learning across the, the disciplines and subjects. And of course, we are making students into well, we, we are in the we are participating in the um, formation into um, responsible, um, tolerant, and you know, appreciative and empathetic, as Tashani mentioned, citizens of the world. Um, yeah. We. We tend to kind of, um, yeah, kind of categorise our, our learning a bit, saying, "Oh no, that's in t- English is what we do," and so forth. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So yeah, it was just it was quite interesting to have that sort of insight into how talk um, resumes into in in classrooms. Yeah, and obviously, talk is a is a huge topic of discussion in in research around teaching isn't it you know that how how much talk is too much talk especially and things like that but I suppose from from that point of view when when you're saying that um be guided by the student talk and respond to it and and how important that is yeah it's 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 something that we shouldn't underestimate um 
due to time constraints, I am just going to read out um, Dashani's comments that she's put in the chat. So thank you. I haven't got time to, to, to come back and talk about it, but um, Shani's just saying that uh, units of study based around inquiry or framed by inquiry questions are powerful and help students draw from different disciplines and perspectives. Um, it's how she's designed the Key Stage 3 curriculum at her school. And um, the idea is, is to encourage similar inquiry questions across other departments. So something that I've taken from this this evening that's been that's that's been really interesting because I didn't expect it to be to overlap quite so much is this sense of cross-curricular um, cohesion that it's English is not about teaching history <laughs> because uh, I mean I personally have a have a, um, a fascination about history I'm, I'm if I didn't teach English I'd teach history I love it and I love learning about about it as well um, and also students are naturally curious you know I've, I've yet I'm yet to come across a student who when they are given some new information that they turn around and go oh no I'm not interested in learning about that you know they are naturally curious and they want to know and they want to ask questions so we need to capitalize on that really um, but yeah that the, the, the cross-curricular aspect of this where we need to be like with Aisha's group was a fantastic example where um, we've got a representative from several different departments who in, in no other way might be connected except with how they can approach an overarching ideal which is to create more diversity, create more awareness of where we've come from and how our history impacts upon our present and then educate our students and, and encourage them to get involved in the discussion. Fantastic. Um, I just I just want to um, come back finally to Jess because we're over time, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really worried about it because I'm, everyone's still listening. So I'm sure that everyone's enjoying the conversation as much as I am. But if I can just come back to you, Jess, just, just to sort of finish us off. Um, some of the work you've done, particularly that I was I was looking into before the show, was about how we how we as teachers might, and we mentioned it earlier, feel fear or discomfort or embarrassment um, when approaching topics that we are not comfortable with, in because we don't know anything about them or, or it's not where we come from, and so we don't perhaps feel qualified to address it. Um, what would be if, if, if as a takeaway from tonight's show, what would be your advice to teachers in, in overcoming that in terms of like, we've discussed why it's important, but how would they actually go about overcoming that reluctance um, to talk about issues that they're not entirely conversant with? Um, I suppose just to be honest, consider why uh, you became a teacher and weigh up um, the benefits and the disadvantages um, you know, for, for either option. So I guess um, how is it in um, the Nate article that we wrote as a group for teaching English was that um, by giving up a little bit of your power and your comfort potentially as a teacher, mm -hmm. um, you're almost giving it to the students in your class and you're allowing them to feel um, more involved and more like their experience and their voice um, is valued um, if they want to share their experience if they want to share their voice um, so I'd say just really consider the benefit that it will have for the students you teach teaching a truly diverse and a truly celebratory um, curriculum essentially because I mean all of us have all four of us have 
hundreds of stories about how you know this this has benefited different students um yeah fantastic yeah i, I love I, I love what you've just said there about it should be about celebrating um yeah. diversity and and that is a, a fantastic note to end on so thank you so much as, as i said before um it is, it is one of those conversations that I could quite happily sit here and talk to the four of you all night long, but I appreciate you. you've already given up so much of your time um, for the show this evening. So a huge thank you to Jess, Aisha, Fazine and Tashani for joining me this evening. I hope you've all enjoyed this show as much as I have. And um, uh, just, just to do a, a couple of recaps, I think if, if you want to know um, more about the webinar and the articles that we have uh, covered that we've referenced this evening I do believe it's still they're still available online it's a it's a TES webinar on um, diversity in the English classroom and there is a NATE article N-A-T-E article um, that was titled race in the English classroom the next steps so I have used those um, articles and, and the webinar to sort of guide the conversation this evening so if you'd like to find out more I mean there's just so much to talk about and there's, there's so much that we didn't actually get a chance to cover this evening so um, please do check those out and also the penguin lit in colour book recommendation list is absolutely fantastic and it's opened my eyes to the variety of literature that is actually there to be studied and um, it, it's just made me want to read them as a reader let alone as a teacher so I'm hoping that's going to lead to great things um, in my particular school so thank you again to everyone who has joined this evening and to all the listeners out there who, who have um, given up your Sunday evening to listen to us we are it will be available on, on um, Spotify as a podcast and Podbean, of course, if you would like to listen back. Um, Jess has very kindly just posted up a, uh, a link to the webinar. So thank you very much for that, Jess. I will post that on Twitter so that anyone um, who'd like to access it can. And just to finish off the show, um, next, following me this evening, we have Tom Starkey, who is joining us at eight o'clock, and he will be talking about mind mapping apps and uh, the ones that you prefer and the ones you like to use and how you choose to use them and whether or not they're any use. So please join in and support um, Tom's show in a little while. But for now, thank you so much. I am not here next week week um taking a break for a week because of the, the holidays and uh but i will be back on the 27th of february where i'm going to be talking to jade pierce about her uh research into evidence-based practice for teachers and another great show that i'm really looking forward to so again thank you for listening and have a lovely evening you've been listening to teachers talk radio Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.